Welcome to the Killer Bees podcast. Not a Wu-Tang podcast. That's going to be my disclaimer for all episodes. Okay, great. Wonderful. You you welcome everybody to Killer Bees podcast. I remind them that it's not a Wu-Tang podcast. We decided to do this podcast and you... I really only wanted you to be here to make sure people knew it wasn't a Wu-Tang podcast. I mean, so far I'm the only one that cares that it's a Wu-Tang reference. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sorry I'm not in in on it, but apparently some other people you've talked to appreciated it, right? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people my age probably see the title of this podcast and assume that we're doing a Wu-Tang podcast. We are not doing a Wu-Tang podcast, so stop asking. Yes, you in your old age, uh, as I'm being attacked by our very cute puppy, who we um, have decided to try and experiment with being in the same room with us. He seems to not like Uh, it so far. He doesn't like uh, that I have my hands full with my phone. And uh, the microphone. So, not having a good time. It's all right. Uh, you know, he'll adjust, hopefully. He uh, but yes, uh, I am Tori Potenza. Oh, and I am Garrett Smith. I was like, what is the pause for? Oh, it's for me. And this is Killer Bees. Uh, you know, if you're listening, you've found a way to listen to us. But We are a podcast where we are profiling B-movie actors. Yes. Um, across their careers. And this episode will be part two of our D. Wallace episode. Yeah, which we're and, excited about. Uh, you know, you can listen to to our past podcast episodes and find our info on uh, the Movie John Network, uh, which we're now going to be a part of, along with uh, my other podcast, Butter with That, and Garrett's other podcast, uh, I Like to Movie Movie, um, and then of course Killer Bees podcast for Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> just gave Spock the microphone there so you could all hear him whining um, at me and that was dog for we also have an email killerbeespodcast at gmail.com um, so thank you Spock for, for letting all the dogs out there that are listening know about that yeah um, so yeah uh, I think that takes care of all the I think that's the plugs housekeeping yes it does um, yeah I'm excited to dive into part two of our D. Wallace episode but um, wanted to maybe Talk about some of the recent, you know, B and genre films that we have seen lately. I'm in. Uh, which uh, one right off the bat I wanted to talk about, um, which I don't think, I think it's been a while, but um, that movie Excision that I had us watch. Oh, yes, um, Excision. Yes, please uh, introduce our audience to it while I take this hot-ass sweatshirt off. <laughs> yeah, so Excision is from 2012. It's from director director Richard Bates Jr. Uh, it stars Anna Lynn McCord, uh, Tracy Lords, Ariel Winters, Roger Bart, uh, and then also has like Malcolm McDowell, John Waters, Ray Weiss, all of these like really interesting people like are in this movie. Um, but I watched it because it was recommended by um, the teacher um, who taught the Shirley Jackson class that the Miskatonic Horror Institute just ran, uh, which uh, all of their classes are available virtually now because of COVID, which is really exciting uh, because they used to only be available uh, in LA, New York, and uh, London. Yeah, and you've attended a couple of their classes A couple now, of them right? now, yeah. yeah. Um, but she mentioned Excision because she thought that um, the main character, Pauline, was a really good representation of... Shirley, like a Shirley Jackson character, yeah. Um, kind of these women that are discontented or like either feel like they don't fit in or definitely don't fit in into uh, you know society that they're you know surrounded by. Um, yeah. And this is like a kind of coming of age story about a girl Pauline who, uh, you know, goes to I think she's like in is it Catholic school maybe, maybe. I don't know can't remember yeah. but her parents are like pretty religious she goes to see uh, John Waters is like a priest who she sees for therapy yeah I can't remember if it's a Catholic school but because the impression I get is that it's the kind of suburban family where they don't necessarily go to church every Sunday mm. they just think religion is a quote unquote like important part of American suburban mm-hmm. nuclear families yeah. you know what I mean um, but she wants to be like a surgeon, and so yeah. then it. A lot of the movie is just her having these really like crazy fucked up like dreams yes. that she's like you know kind of turned on by of like experimenting on bodies and you know eating people or like 
drinking blood, like all of this stuff. So it's the dream fascinating. sequences are awesome. They're really awesome. Yeah, they're um, like very psychedelic. This movie was like a movie where, for most of the runtime, I was like, "This is very interesting." Mm-hmm. I don't know if I love it, but I'm like, I'm on board. And then the finale kind of completely yeah. changed my overall opinion of the. Like, it went from something that I was like. Yeah, like this is good. I get what this is doing to like, oh, this is some like really serious shit that I think in full view of the ending, I actually would like to watch it again. Mm. And uh, I think I will appreciate more what it's building as it goes along. It's kind of like a quirky, funny horror film. But then the end of it is like gut wrenching. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it goes places that I, I really could not have anticipated mm-hmm. from the outset. And even as dark as its sense of humor is, and as graphic and fucked up as the dream sequences mm-hmm. are, I still could not have seen it going yeah. where it goes. Yeah. Um, and the really the final shot, I think, carries like a ton of weight with it. Mm-hmm. And I would really like to watch it again with that weight. Mm-hmm. I think that I would probably appreciate a lot more of what it's doing. Yeah. On another viewing. For sure. Um, which is to, not even to say I didn't like it in the first place. I just think like that ending really packs up fucking wallop, you know? Yeah, agreed. Um, do you have any other movies that you uh, were thinking of well, mentioning? Well, we've been watching the Omen series on my podcast. <laughs> yep. I like to movie movie. Uh, those fit the bill. They're like some really kind of schlocky B stuff that is really fun and uh, to watch. Sexy satanic uh, Sam Neill in the third one. Sexy Sam Neill Satan uh, in number three. Pretty great. Pretty great. That movie, not as good as the first two, but Sexy Sam Neill, worth watching Whew. for. Yeah. Uh, his version of Sexy Satan is awesome. Uh, the other one I wanted to talk about was Stoker, which yes. we both watched together this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Park Chan Wook's, um, I mean, what would you even describe this movie as? Family drama? Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure, sure. But along the lines of uh, your Shirley stories, right? It's a Yeah, I mean, this was another that was recommended by the teacher um, that I took the Shirley class with, and I feel bad that I forgot her name, um, because she was really wonderful, Um, (laughs) but um, yeah, I mean, if you've read any Shirley Jackson, this feels a lot like um, We Have Always Lived in the Castle, which is one of my favorite, um, I guess, novellas from her. Okay. Um, So it definitely has those vibes to it, Um, you know, kind of like creepy dark house uh isolated women and this like random dude kind of uh infiltrates their dynamic and uh things start to unravel uh in really interesting ways uncle charlie uncle charlie uh what matthew good good yes matthew good. i get him confused with uh, all the other matthews I yeah think. all the other uh white british guys yep yeah. um but i like this white british guy yeah. a lot um, he he's was, great. Yeah, in this he's movie. very good. I mean, this very whole creepy. cast is tremendous. I think yeah. this is a great movie. Like, I might have so even good. I give it four out of five stars, and I may have underrated it at four. I out of gave five. it a five star review. Yeah. I like as soon as the movie started, felt like totally just entranced by the, the movie, and yeah. I like thought the characters were also interesting. There's so much of it that I want to like dissect and pick apart. And yeah, maybe I can find a way to like write about it at some point, but. Who this like blew me away. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was really glad you liked it so much because I had seen it once before many years mm-hmm. ago um, and liked it, but I feel like I, uh, I'm i a b- better movie viewer now mm-hmm. uh, and I think got a lot more out of it uh, yeah. on this viewing. Yeah, it's really great. If you haven't seen it, you should definitely check it out. Yeah, I mean, it's like an effective thriller. Yeah. Uh, like if you like Old Boy, I would say it's sort of similarly as like uh, structured in a way where you can't, get inside of it mm-hmm. until you're pretty deep into it without being as thoroughly icky as yes <laughs> that's what i was gonna say is i almost feel like it's a more palatable yeah uh uh not version of that movie because it's certainly about different things yeah but, um just the structure of it and and the precision with which yeah. i feel like park chan wook makes his movies yeah they're like these really weird winding kind of stories that yeah. you're not totally sure what they're um like culminating to yeah yeah um yeah. I f- what, he also did the vampire movie we watched too thirst. right thirst which i similarly uh, like also enjoyed quite a bit yeah me too and, and another movie of just like don't really know where we're headed yeah until you're like halfway through it yeah. you know um but but it, in a way that like 
sometimes movies like that I have trouble engaging with because mm. they're not showing me enough of their cards. Yeah, and I like I'm like I need to know what's happening. I need because I don't have anything to latch on to. Yeah. Parchem Wook is, I, I don't know how to describe it, but he, uh, you just are hooked in almost immediately, even yeah. though you're not really sure what you're in for. Because it's engaging. Yeah, yeah. Um, Especially, there's so much weird humor yeah. and like quirkiness that yeah. you can just like really appreciate. So as the story's unfolding, you like are holding on to those weird moments and even like scene to scene sometimes uh, things you're seeing. He's such like yeah. a cinematic storyteller as yeah. well that I think you just, there's always something happening in every frame that you're just like kind of in awe of, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, wonderful movie. Like if people can get their hands on... Stoker, highly recommended. Yeah, we should own this movie. I think for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. loved it. Um, cool. Well, I think I think that's good. Right, it's a good start. Let's, yeah, let's talk about let's so this dive is back into D. Part Wallace. two of D. Wallace. Um, I definitely encourage you to watch part one if you uh, have not listened, not watched, listen to part one if you have not um, to hear the first part of her career. Um, so we split it up and we're starting today with uh, D. Wallace's career in the nineties. Yes. Uh, which I'm excited that the first movie we're gonna start talking about is one that I ordered for us because when I told Garrett the description of this movie and who was in this movie, we were both like, holy fuck, we need to get our hands on it. And the only copy I could find was on eBay. And I think it's like a Spanish DVD from the UK. (laughs) So who knows when it'll get to us? I think all of that is accurate. And Mm -hmm. I think the only other detail is just that I don't think it was ever released in any other format. Like, I think this is a TV movie. Yes. It's yeah. It's, I don't think there is like an American release of this that we could have gotten if yeah. we wanted to. I believe this is the only way in which it was ever released. Yeah, Garrett was like, I was like, scour the internet for this movie, and we yeah. were like, fuck, we're gonna have to just buy this rando copy of it. Uh, but the movie is called I'm Dangerous Tonight. Uh, it stars uh, Madchen Emic. Am I totally butchering her name? I, I, I mean, know. I, I don't know if I know how to pronounce uh, it any better than but you. But she is one of the stars of. Twitter. Twin Peaks, um, she plays Shelly, uh, the waitress um, who's like dating Bobby and and uh, kind of has the abusive uh, husband, Leo. Yes. Uh, but she's great on Twin Peaks and I haven't really seen her in anything else. Uh, but she stars in this movie with Dee Wallace and Anthony Perkins. So Ooh. like... Of course, like, fuck yes, this cast. Anthony Perkins is a big one for Tori and I. We are huge fans of the Psycho series and have grown to really love him over the course of those movies. Um, If if people are interested, there are Psycho sequels. I feel like a lot of people don't know this. And they are good. And they're really good. I've only seen the first three, but I have liked all of the Psychos. And uh, we did a whole series on them, and I liked a movie movie, if people are curious. Um, So we're big Anthony Perkins fans. Yeah. Um, Probably we'll end up doing Anthony Perkins on this podcast eventually. I think we have to. He's... I think he's one of those actors who's done enough weird ass B movie yeah. genre shit that like even though he has like this name recognition that like some maybe some of the other people we do on the podcast don't. Yeah. I think like yeah, we, we he, should he's definitely, definitely be worth doing, yeah. yeah. Um but uh, anyway, it was really that his name and uh Amic were in this and it's a TV movie which Tori and I have like a weird kind of fascination with anyway. Um uh and got to get our hands on this. So the movie is about uh, a girl somehow gets her hands on a Aztec robe, which she turns into a dress, and it's like cursed. And either she starts killing people in it, or it starts killing people. Very, uh, you know, unclear on the details of it. Sure. Either way, amazing Can premise. We see it? Directed by? Did we go over this? Oh no. Toby Hooper. Directed by Toby Hooper. TV movie by Toby Hooper that you just can't yeah. find anymore. We have a DVD incoming from the UK in Spanish. Can't wait. Yeah. I knew there was one more piece of like baffling information that I was like, we need to have this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Toby Hooper. Uh, very excited about it. Um, and then in 1991, she does a film called Popcorn with Jill Sholene, who we also did on this podcast. We have covered Jill and we have covered Popcorn. We've talked about Popcorn, uh, which we rented from our friends at Viva Video. Correct. Um, and I think it just recently got a new Blu-ray release. Correct, yeah. Um, I think that's what we got. It's like a Synapse release. Yeah, so um, if you're interested, it seems like this is like, you know, kind of a beloved cult film that has recently got the the treatment thanks to people that love weird 
cult films like us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you have not heard our Jill Shulian episode, popcorn is worth seeking out. Like, the new transfer yeah. looks great. It's got some incredible makeup effects. Mm-hmm. And it's a movie about movie fans. So yeah. I feel like, you know, horror movies about movie fans... You kind of can't go wrong. I, I I didn't even like totally love this movie, but yeah. I just think genre fans, it is like you have to see this movie. And like it, it seems like I have a quote from uh, D. Wallace. She says, "I know it's a cult classic, but it was a plagued with problems. Just plagued with them. When we shot it, producers kept changing, directors kept changing. The shooting conditions were at best bearable. <laughs> and I feel like you can kind of feel like that, feel this through the movie because it does have so many interesting plot points, but." They never really fully seem to fit together, and it doesn't really do D or Jill any favors, which is unfortunate because they're both so great. They are, in fact, like if I may say, without uh, you know being too rude to D, I don't even really remember that D was in this movie. Mm. Frankly, like we're, I mean, we're a few months out from having watched it, but yeah, she is like kind of a major part of like the unfolding of the the plot with this like you know crazed cult leader, but I I don't think she's in a ton of it. Yeah, uh, yeah. But she li- she's like the aunt of Jill Sholene. Right, uh, right. So she, they like live together and, you know, she's uh, has like a darker past. She's than connected we, to the thing yeah. that's going on at the movie theater, right? She is. Okay, and so yeah, she yeah, eventually yeah. does come in. But yeah, I think now I, I kind of only remember her in the very beginning yeah, at the very end where yeah. she's like completely covered in plaster. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that, but yeah. it's such a weird moment of the film. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, another D film. I love, she is so funny, I think, like just in general, but also like as a person, that is a hilarious quote about cheap OB movies. Uh, her saying the condition, the shooting conditions were at best bearable. Yeah. What a funny, like, fu- I don't know. I just get great vibes off of her that she's just like. Well, because like from her, like yeah. who's done so much of this, yeah. it's like, you know, if that's how she's remembering it, it's like, okay, not great. That's what I mean. <laughs> it's like, even this, she's like finding a nice way to say it. She's finding like a yeah. cute way to say it where she's like, yeah, I've made a lot of these cheapo movies and they're never great. But uh, yeah. if I had to insult this one, I'd do it in the nicest way possible. Bearable. Yeah. <laughs> Um, she then goes on to do Alligator 2, The Mutation, which, you know, what more do you need to know about that movie? The subtitle alone, sold. Sold. Uh, she does, uh, uh, TV shows like Murder, She Wrote, The New Lassie, and Touched by an Angel. Quick sidebar. Murder, She Wrote. Is this a show you watched as a child? Uh, I feel like I've seen parts of it because it was always on TV when I was like trying to find something else to watch. Like maybe when I came home from school or something, you know, and I, it was just always on. My grandmother loved this show. It was like this and Dr. Quinn Medicine. Woman. I mean, all grandmas loved this show, yeah. right? I watched a lot of Murder, She Wrote and a lot of Dr. Quinn mm. with my gram. And I think my mom... It was her mom who I mean. Mm. And so I think my mom also, it was like one of the things that she shared with her mom. Yeah. So I seem to remember Murder, She Wrote just kind of like always being yeah. on, you know? And like we've covered, we've definitely covered a couple other people on the podcast who have been on yeah. episodes of Murder, oh, She Wrote. So every- it's interesting how like, how many people were on the show. It's the law and order of its time. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> did an episode of Murder, She Wrote. Yep, for sure. Uh, Angela Lansbury wrote murder about lots of actors. Lots of murder. Yeah. Lots of Angela Lansbury. Yeah. She's that, right. I'm right about that. I think I'm right. About I believe that. you are right. Yeah. Um, She uh, then Jill goes on to do movies like Lightning in a Bottle that stars Linda Carter. Hell yeah. Uh, about like a, a woman who suffers an accident um, in which a man loses his life um, and she has like amnesia. So one of these like, you know, dramas that uh, D often appears in uh, and then goes on to do a film called Prophet of Evil, the Irville LeBaron story. What a, uh, what a title. <laughs> which uh, is about uh, the takedown of an infamous leader of a small polygamous Mormon uh, fundamentalist group. Wow, so many words there. Wow. Brian Dennehy stars in this Brian movie. Dennehy, Love Brian yeah. Dennehy. Love Brian Dennehy. Which I would probably watch. That sounds like something I would be interested in. Um, and then she does a film, a TV movie, I believe, called Witness to the Execution, which was directed by Tommy Lee Wallace, Ooh. who did um, Halloween 3 and mm-hmm. worked on a lot of Carpenter stuff as well. Sure did. Uh, this movie, I feel like I would not be able to watch. Oh, but... Sean Young is in this movie. Oh, yes. Sean Young is in it. 
um, who uh, I would also love to talk about at some point. Yeah. Um, so the movie is about um, a television network uh, hopes to draw the biggest ratings ever while televising an execution live in the home of every American family. That's insane. Uh, it just gives me so many icky vibes. I just hate everything about that. Yeah, but I, sounds I, so nineties. You're, you're pri- I mean, this is maybe a bad way to say it, but like your prior work in the prison system, which is only, I guess, somewhat accurate. I think, yes. uh, or at least, like, yeah, discussing. Uh, contemporary uh prisons with folks it's yeah like, i feel like this stuff like really rubs you the wrong way and, and like uh you know understandably so yeah. but like in that way where i'm like oh we can't even like i, I can't i can't even suggest like any kind of like prison exploitation movies because mm-hmm. you're just like yeah prison exploitation happens in the real world i can't enjoy this yeah exactly yeah. and it's been, like ugh, execution stuff yeah, i'm yeah. like god i just derive zero pleasure from the idea of it i totally understand um so yeah, she then goes on to do a film, which I would watch, even though it sounds insane, called Moment of Truth, Cradle of Conspiracy. Uh, a young woman under immense social pressure from her parents finds comfort in Kenny, a guy who secretly plans to impregnate her and sell the resulting baby for money. What? Oh, man. What a crazy drama. These TV movies are nuts. God, it's amazing. I mean, I know we talked about this on the last D episode, mm-hmm. but- I- I mean, I am almost. I'm at the point where I want to trash this whole Killer Bees podcast and just do a TV movie podcast. I mean, I would just watch all of the TV movies. They have movies. the craziest titles, the craziest premise. Yeah. How is it that like the premises for TV movies always sound crazier than the premises for actual movies? You would yeah. think on TV you could do less. I mean, like I, I also don't know like how much you watch them is like you know, like younger, but like, you know, I watched a lot of like, you know, like lifetime and stuff because like they had like the craziest like TV movies because they were all about like, you know, stalkers and like abusive husbands and women trying to get revenge and like all of this really like seedy, like sometimes like, you know, like psychosexual like drama stuff, which I think I was like way more into before I was into like actual horror. So like there's something really kind of sleazy about all of it that I love. (laughs) Great. Uh, Then 1994, she goes on to do uh, another TV movie, Vanishing Sun 4, uh, which crazy that it's all part of like, like this is the fourth in this and she appears. And the cover of the movie, she's also like the woman that's like kind of having sex with that guy. Uh, So it seems like it's kind of like a racy role for D. Well, you know, sometimes your son vanishes and then he vanishes again. Yep. And then he vanishes a third time. So many vanishes. And then the fourth time he vanishes and he, Definitely have to make a whole movie about that fourth vanishing son. <laughs> Crazy. Do you think, hold on. I mean, we have no way to confirm this, but have has a son vanished four different times or have four different sons vanished? I am not sure. I think it's about like like a crime family. Um yeah, I mean, you're looking at the the IMDb, so maybe yeah. you can tell from the description. No, I can't. Right. I don't. I don't even know if I can tell you the plot of this movie Great. from the description. Wonderful. Um, so worth oh. checking out. <laughs> you know who else stars in Vanishing Sun Four? Who? The TV movie from 1994. Matthew Lillard. Oh shit! How did I miss that one? Yep. I don't even think I wrote that down. That's wild. Um, she then does um, a TV show called Rebel Highway. She's in an episode, but her particular episode was directed by Joe Dante. Um, so she gets to work with Dante again, which I think is really cool. That is really cool. Um, and then in 1995, she does a film called Temptress with Chris L- Sarandon. Oh, Chris uh, Sarandon was, he was a guy in the 80s. It's a, He was in tons of stuff. Oh, man. And this sounds kind of Whoa. great. Karen Swan brings a statue home from her travels in Asia and soon begins to have a strange effect on her. She has an insatiable sexual appetite and develops strange fetishes such as pain and death. I'm like all into this. Uh, And yes, love uh, Chris Sarandon. This this guy Corbin, uh, Corbin Burnson. From the dentist. From the dentist. Is in this movie. Yeah, gotta love him. Yep. Um... She she then does a film called Cops and Roberts, which has no IMDb information, but I put in here because that's a hilarious name. Wait, is it not Cops and Robertsons? Is that a thing? Yeah. 
I believe so. Hold on. I'm going to find out. It could be a totally different thing. It would be wild to me if it was. All right. I don't know. Hold on. Hold on. We're going to look into this really quick. D, you on here anywhere? D, D, D. I don't see D anywhere okay. here. So, that's so this could be something totally different. Entirely di- that's wild to me. Um, She's also in... um. A movie and its sequel called Invisible Mom. Uh, so there's a one and two, uh, one from 1996 and one from 1999. I think it's like one of those films that's like an inventor dad has like an invisibility serum that the mom takes, which I love the 90s and the inventor dad uh, plot that they used for so many different things. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, isn't even uh, like uh, Gremlins, I think, is mm-hmm. inventor dad trope, right? Yeah. I think so. Um Fucking uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Rugrats. Tommy Pickles Dad. Um, There was something else, too. Oh, we just talked about it recently. Um, uh, Casper. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Like, it was a big thing. I think there was, like, this is going to sound weird, but I think there was, like, a patenting boom in, like, the 90s that I think led to this trope of, Mm. like, all these inventor dads. My dad also used to tell me he was a scientist when I asked him what he did. He was a UPS driver um, at the time, but he would always just be like, I'm a scientist, and would give me no other information. Supposedly, my dad and his friend invented, I'm doing air quotes right now, (laughs) uh, like an early version of like a thermos mm. that like kept things both warm and cold. Oh, that sounds like a thing your dad would invent. And that he like tried to patent it mm. and then, you know, found out that like other companies had like already developed this technology and patented it and stuff. Secretly your dad is like the president of Hydro Flask right, or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, she then goes on to do a film called Subliminal Seduction, another fucking amazing title. Yeah. She's in tons of these kind of like um like I don't know if these are lifetime movies but like most of these TV movies sound like lifetime I titles. I say lifetime cuz I feel like that's a good way to just like describe yeah. uh certain types of films, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yep. Uh which all of these seem a lot of these seem to fall into, especially like her her 90s stuff. And this one stars uh Ian Ziering who at this point is most known as the star of the Sharknado series. Oh shit, really? Yeah. Oh, that's really funny. He looked familiar, but I wasn't sure why. Yeah. Um, and then in 1996, she does Frighteners, um, which before um, I talk about that, um, I thought it was really interesting reading about uh, the Frighteners. Um, she, so her husband, who she was in Cujo with and um, The Howling with. He, what was his name? Stone? Chris Stone. Yeah. He died while she was in the middle of this. I think she she left because he was something happened, like he was sick or he had an accident, and then everything seems like it was fine. Mm. So she like went back to set. He he told her he was like, hey, like you know, just go back, continue working on the film, and then she goes back and he dies. Oh my god, Um, which is so heartbreaking, especially like when you. (sighs) It's just so weird too with this particular movie. It's like a Peter Jackson movie. It's a very strange tone to it and she has a very like strange character and all of this is happening like while she's dealing with like the grief of losing a partner well and so i mean to be specific the frighteners is about a ghost hunter basically um and her role is kind i mean it's like kind of the best role in the Mm -hmm. movie is she like turns out to be the kind of do I remember correctly that the the sort of the big twist of the ending is like yeah. she's like the the villain of the yeah, movie she's, right yeah she's kind of playing this it's and it, we I think both remarked on how like it was kind of a weird character for her she's yeah. like playing this like really meek yes daughter who has this tragic past yes. and since then has kind of been like um, a shut in yes. in her house with this like overbearing mother yes um, and so you're like oh this is like a really weird role for her to be playing and then of course the twist is that she is the murderer which is like amazing and you're like this is why you hired you Wallace. yes because she like really turns in some great shit in like the final third yeah. of this movie she's so good when she like actually gets to kind of become her character yeah she's really good and i saw you had a do you mind if i read the, no, the quote from her here um and this is her kind of responding to um you know the fact that her husband died in the midst of making this movie mm-hmm. She says, uh, but it's some of the best work and rawest work I've ever done. I adore Peter Jackson, and I love that part. Uh, talk about everything I love to do 
everything as an actress playing that huge arc from Patricia the victim to Patricia the freaked out murderer. Mm -hmm. And I totally agree that this is like, it's one of the best parts of the movie is that like, we spent the whole time being like, why is she in this? To mm -hmm. only realize like, oh, of course, because there's like a meaty role here for her. Yeah. Um, and I mean, uh, truly, it is one of her best. I actually think it's like a very good in the stuff it's that so we watched. Fun. It's yeah. one of her best performances. And, uh, you know, it's sad that it is so informed by the death of, death of her husband. But it also doesn't surprise me that it's informed yeah. by some real tragedy. Um it's also interesting that, um, so I'm a big Peter Jackson fan. I know mm. you are too because you love the Lord of the Rings movies. Oh, you bet I do. Um, but we watched Dead Alive together recently, which is one of my favorite Jackson movies. And a significant part of that movie is an overbearing mother. Mm. It's very interesting that that's like a thing that is across his early movies. Yeah. Um, I don't have anything to say about that really other than just like an interesting yeah. thing that pops up across his movies. Um, this is another interesting movie in that, um, I don't know if you felt this way while watching it. I don't know if we talked about this. Uh, Michael J. Fox stars in this. It's mm -hmm. an early 90s movie. Um, I think he's maybe, I think he might know he's sick at this point mm. in his life. I'm not positive about this, but I think so. And there was a really distinct feeling while watching this for me that we were getting like the best longest shots they could get during oh, the early days of his illness. Um, I always forget like how early he found out about it because I'm like I'm like man he found out in '96 like right, okay so then this is pre him knowing that he's sick is that accurate I have no idea oh okay okay because the film is in '96 okay, so okay. I'm just like in oh, in my head yeah. I'm like man like I like he knew like because I I mean I have I love Michael J Fox yeah. and I like thought he was such a cutie and a lot of the reason I did was because um I used to watch Spin City a lot the yeah. TV show he was in and I thought it was so funny and I thought he was so adorable mm -hmm. in it um but you know he was doing that I think in like you know or till the early 2000s and I and um, I believe the only reason because I am I wrong that's the show that David Spade takes over for him right I think you're right. Yes, and I believe that's why he also. I believe that's why that happens. Or no, it's not uh, David Spade. It's Charlie Sheen takes over. Oh, oh, for yes, him. yes, right. Yeah. No, what was Spade's show? But anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and I think that's why that happens mm -hmm. because he gets too sick to really be able to continue doing it. Yeah. Um, and so I think he knows at this point, and I and to me it felt like. There's a little now. There's a lot of kind of shambliness, I would say, to a lot of Peter Jackson movies mm. in general, the early ones. But there was a bit of shambliness to this that felt to me like we have to shoot around something, mm. and it felt like maybe that was it. And I, I'm just this is all conjecture yeah. on my part, but it, it, it I had a very it was a weird movie where the whole time I was like a little bit sad, and it was mostly just because I was like, oh man, I think he knows he's sick at this point, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's, like, that and, like, with Dee's husband. You're yeah, like, yeah. oh, there's, like, kind of a lot of, like, sadness yeah. revolving yeah. this movie. A movie that is otherwise, like, meant to be just kind yeah. of ludicrous and, like, you know. And it is. It's, like, a fun, funny movie. Yeah. It's um, also got Jeffrey Combs in it, which, it, oh, like, Combs oh, is damn. one of the best parts of this movie. Love Jeffrey Combs. We are definitely going to do an episode on him at oh, some man. point. Oh, um, man. I can't wait. He's, like, the king of these B-movie roles. <sighs> and he's, like, him. so good in this movie. He's so weird. Yeah. He's, like, the weirdest I've ever seen him, potentially, yeah. but in the in the best way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, she goes on to do a film called Black Circle Boys. She does a film called Skeletons with Christopher Plummer. Uh, she does a film called Bad As I Want to Be, the Dennis Rodman story, playing Rodman's mother in it, or stepmother in it. That is very interesting. I. It's weird to, I mean, do you recall that Dennis Rodman had like a huge moment in like the I mid do. to late 90s? Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't, I don't think I cared that much. Yeah. But I, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. He, he had it because he was in some movies. He like, he had a whole, he just had a big moment in like the 90s. Yeah. Um, And then she uh, kind of goes out of the 90s with a film called Pirates of the Plane with Tim Curry, uh, which. I think it's a kid's movie based on like the, the imagery and, and yeah, pictures. adventure yeah. family fantasy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I love the idea of it. Cause I also didn't know there were, uh, you know, multiple, uh, Tim Curry uh, pirate performances, yeah, but mean, it makes sense. Just based on the photos, it literally looks like they were just like, "Hey, can we borrow like <laughs> can we can we just like borrow your cast set and costumes from uh, Muppet Treasure Island yeah. and make Keep our own the little Muppets. movie? Yeah. Give us everything else." Yeah. 
so then in the 2000s, um, she does some TV shows like, uh, do you remember the show Felicity? Sure do. Oh man, you know that's uh, an early J.J. Abrams project. Oh yes. really? Yeah. I just I just knew that like people were really obsessed with it, and I started watching it and got really bored after like season two. Uh, but she she was in that um, as well as uh, Cold Case Files, Bones, Grey's Anatomy, My Name Is Earl, Ghost Whisperer, Criminal Minds, and then uh, a, she was a regular on a, fil- a show called Sons and Daughters. I mean, I watched a bunch of this stuff. Like I remember Grey's Anatomy, My yeah. Name Is Earl. Like I watched. Watched some of that stuff while it was on the air. I have no idea if I saw any of the episodes. Yeah, that she I mean, was in. I watched a lot of Criminal Minds, yeah. so I definitely saw Dee Wallace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is really funny. Is she like one of the main characters? No, but like I just oh, watched... you just saw so much of it. I've watched if she a was lot. on an episode. You saw it. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. If, if it was an episode that like didn't air in the past like three or four years, like I've probably seen it. <laughs> um, in two thousand one, she does a film called Out of Black uh, with. Tom Atkins, and then she does a film called Killer Instinct with Corbin Burnson, who we just talked about. Oh my God, so she's been in multiple things with uh, Corbin. Yeah, which we might have to do him just based on the fact that I I loved The the Dentist dentist so much. (laughs) I mean, there's a dentist too that I believe he also stars in. Yeah. Um, she then does a film called Perfect Husband, the Lacey Peterson story, which, like, of course, in the 2000s, she was in this based Wait, on, like, the other stuff she's done. What, what, who is Lacey Peterson? You don't remember the Lacey Peterson no, story? No, what is Lacey Peterson? Oh, my God. Uh, it was the, uh, she was murdered by her husband and she was pregnant. And so they were trying to figure out if they were going to, um, try him for, um, like, oh, like the double infa- homicide, like infanticide oh, and stuff yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. I mean, I remember that name, so I I, I knew it must have been one of those stories. Oh, man, but... that was like a big deal yeah. back in the day. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely one of those. Like, I, I'm sure this was a Lifetime movie. <laughs> it's uh, called Perfect Husband. It yeah. is definitely a Lifetime. Uh, she does a film called Illusion Infinity with Mickey Rooney. Sounds um, about right for a Mickey Rooney movie. Biopic about former Las Vegas singer Patricia Paradise and her search for Shang Shangri La. Um, Interesting. Indeed. Yeah. Um, she does a short film called The Loch Ness Monster, which I put down here exclusively because I love The Loch Ness Monster. You sure do. Uh, and would like to watch that short film. Um, in 2005, she does a film called Boo, which I have seen. Multiple times. Really? Um, yes. Uh, it was a movie that was on the Sci-Fi Channel a lot. Oh. And it's a really, really crappy movie. A uh, handful of college students get trapped in a haunted hospital on Halloween. Huh. You know, it has like a 4.2 star rating yeah. on IMDb. So it's like not good, but... I don't know if you did this with your friends, but like I used to be on the phone for like hours with my friend Alyssa. Mm-hmm. And so we would sometimes watch movies like over the phone. I wonder if me and my buddy Tommy ever did that. Like, that's how I watched Army of Darkness. And for oh. some reason, we also watched this one together. And there's a scene where, like, the walls actually bleed. And because it was, like, the 2000s, we were like, oh, the walls are so emo. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so I specifically remember that being, like, an inside joke with us. That's funny. But she plays, like, a like a creepy nurse in it, which okay. is really funny, like, that they just, you know, have her in it yeah, to, yeah. to play that role. That's interesting. I'm trying to remember. I I had a, a friend growing up that I was like a big movie nerd with. Mm-hmm. We must have, if there was, because now I'm thinking about like, yeah, I mean, Star Wars used to run on cable when yeah. I was growing up. There had to have been nights that we yeah. just called each other and we're like, hey, Return of the Jedi's on. You yeah, know? it's like we couldn't hang out. So it was yeah. like, hey, I'm watching this really crazy movie. Like, you yeah. should put it on. Yeah. And I remember us like watching Army of Darkness and being like, what the fuck is this movie? <laughs> but also loving it so yeah. much. Um. In 2006, she does films like um, Expiration Date, uh, Voodoo Moon, The Eden Formula, and The Plague. These all sound like, uh, you know, like uh, sci-fi channel originals. Oh, absolutely. The Eden Formula, you know? Yeah, Eden Formula is like such a hilarious Ooh, name. Oh, Jeff Fahey is in the Eden Formula. I love Jeff Fahey. There you go. And Tony Todd. <laughs> Wow. Oh, which we'll have to talk about Tony Todd at some point, too. Of course. And Jeff Fahey. Come on. Yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah. He's uh, he's the guy with purple balls in Psycho 3. You know, that scene where the guy's holding the purple lamps in front oh, of his 
He's one of those people that like, you know, this is part of the reason we're doing this podcast. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know them by name, but like I look them up and I'm like, oh, I've seen them in like you 20 to- things. Yeah, you totally know Jeff yeah. Fahey. Yeah, yep. um, I can't think of his face because I'm terrible with like names of I'm people. I'm the but... same way. Um, and then in 2007, she plays Cynthia Strode in Rob Zombie's 2007 uh, Halloween film. Which we watched. Which we watched, which I had seen before. I had uh, not. Hey, hold on. Boo, I got to tell you. Yeah. Guess who is in Voodoo Moon? Who's in Voodoo Moon? With D. Wallace. One Jeffrey Combs. What? That's right. Oh, man. I so love Jeffrey. I'm just going to save this one here because we probably want to watch We're going to watch Voodoo Moon now. Yeah. I know. Um, so yeah, we watched, uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween, um, which also has, um, Ken Forey in it. Yes. Uh, which, so we like, you Ken know, talked Forey about. is great in this movie. He's in it for like five minutes and then he, he's like a one-off character that just gets like, he's a truck driver that just gets murdered by Mike Myers in order for Mike Myers to get his clothing. Yes. So, I mean, they literally, I mean, I, okay. So I was not crazy about this movie. I did not think Rob Zombie's Halloween was very good. We can talk about why. But the reason Ken Forey is in this movie, one, because obviously everybody loves Ken Forey. Like all of the sort of genre directors of this day and age love him. Love the Romero and stuff. He and he like he and D were both like those actors that were kind of like adopted by zombies. Yes. Like, hey, like I obviously loved your movies, and so now I want you to be in my right, movies. Right, because they're in multiple movies. They're in his, multiple, I believe, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what I loved so much was the use of Ken Forey in this movie is specifically because their version of Michael Myers looks like a WWE wrestler. He's fucking huge. He's enormous. Ty- Tyler Maine, is that the guy's name? He's he also, got like long ass Well, he hair. also played Jason in the Jason remake. I believe it's the same guy. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, give me one second to look this up to confirm this for us. But um, th- literally the reason that uh, Ken Forey is in the movie is because with uh, Michael Myers being so humongous... In order to get him in his classic jumpsuit, mm-hmm. we got to have a guy as big as him that you could believe when he kills that guy, the jumpsuit would fit on his body. Yep. And who else do you cast to do that? Ken Forey. Ken Forey. He's fucking huge. He's enormous. What an enormous He's man. He's such a tall man. It's literally the only thing people cast him for is like his <laughs> size, which is sad to say, but... True in almost every single movie he's been in, he's been cast because he's an enormous man. Uh, which you know is is hilariously used in in some films like uh, Night Riders when he plays Little John. Yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, also not a fan of this movie. But did you find that guy's name? You, oh, so it's Tyler Maine. Tyler Maine. I got that right. He plays Sabretooth in the X Men movies. Um, and now I am just looking. It's a 2009 movie. That's what I thought. No. Okay. Wait. So I'm wrong. So then who, hold on. I'm going to get this part of it right. You keep talking. (laughs) Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think this is like a, a loved film from the horror genre. I think that's like a fair thing to say. Right. Um, and you know, there's some interesting aspects of it. Derek Mears is who plays Jason cool. in Friday the 13th. Derek Mears is another like giant man that mm. like plays a lot of these like monsters in modern movies now. Sorry. Word. Um so yeah, but like some of the interesting aspects of it are like he does try to go into like the psychology of like Mike Myers and like what creates a killer, which ultimately doesn't work because he needs to just be a murder machine. Yeah. So it's like if the, he's trying to like make us like feel like empathy for him. By the end of it, it's like, well, I just he's going to fucking murder so many people. Uh, the, to me, the thing is like, uh, so on one hand, I understand the idea of, if would Michael Myers be scarier if we could believe he existed mm-hmm. in our world, right? Mm-hmm. I think that, I think that that might actually be like the yeah. motivation for this, which is if I un- if I could believe that he were real, would he be scarier? Yeah. But the answer in is order- obviously no. Right. I mean, because in order to make him real, we have to give him a psychology that yeah. we can understand. Yeah. And the whole point of Michael Myers is that he can't be understood. He's pure evil. Yeah. Things right? are scarier when we don't understand yes. them. And as humans, yes. all we want to do is try to understand them. But I think this becomes a twofold problem in this movie, right? One is that it just, I mean, the whole point of Michael Myers is he can't be understood. He's pure evil. So to understand him is to kind of undermine that. But two, he spends so much time in this movie digging into the psychology of Michael Myers Mm -hmm. and trying to understand him that 
it actually borders on like fetishizing him, I think. Yeah. Like it goes from, hey, what if we understood him to, hey, what if we empathized mm. with him? And I don't think empathizing with Michael Myers really makes any kind of sense. Yeah. It really undermines all of what's going on yeah. in Halloween. Um, they also, they do make Loomis kind of a dick, which is yeah. funny. Yes. Um, but like some of the interesting things are like, you know, they, this is obviously one of the movies that has been like, oh, so like Lori was related to Mike yes. Myers. Yes. She's his sister. Yeah. And so like, it definitely like, is like, yeah, we're taking that and we're using that. And they place her in this like happy home and Dee Wallace is her mother, yes. um, which like I, Dee Wallace is also like in this movie for five minutes and she's also amazing. She's great. She's so charming and like their relationship seems really solid, even though they're only together for like a little bit of time, which yeah. is so interesting when you see this like, I don't know, when like a movie establishes like a, a mother daughter relationship that feels real in such a short amount of time, like when yeah. they're decorating together, yeah. it's like really cute and I really enjoy it. And it makes it that much more horrifying when she gets brutally murdered oh, yeah. by Mike Myers in her home. I mean, it, 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 it... <sighs> It's weird. It's like the only good idea this movie has, in my opinion, is that Michael and Lori are brother and sister, which means they're from the same home. Yeah. But in the context of this movie, Lori is a little, little, little baby when Michael murders his whole family. Mm -hmm. And she is then sort of whisked away to these adoptive parents that don't even tell her she's adopted. And so what that means the movie is ultimately about is nature versus nurture. Yeah. Is Michael evil because Michael is evil and that's in his nature? Or is it because he was nurtured in the home he was nurtured in? Yeah, because he has like a you know white trash family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's and... a classic Rob Zombie, white trash yeah. family dynamics. Um, and and basically by, give, by putting Lori in this other home with these adoptive parents mm -hmm. that are good, good, solid, like just suburban parents. Yeah. It... it Falls squarely on the side of nurture as opposed to nature, I think. Yeah. And when I say it's the only good idea this movie has, I don't even know if it's that good an idea. I mean, it is yeah. just a very basic idea, you know, but yeah. it, it is the one thing this movie, I think, is trying to do. Yeah. Um, that, I don't know, it, it, it's the one interesting thing it's trying to do, and I don't even think it's that interesting. Yeah, you know, it's... It's a movie. Yeah, I I will say I loved the way this movie looked. I thought this movie was beautifully Until, shot. Until like the last, yeah, the like, the, half end, hour. the ending is like a is is sort yeah. of going for like gritty saw realism with all the shaky cam shit that like just it just looks like it looks like shit in the mm -hmm. last like half hour. But like the hour hour and a half leading up to that is literally like gorgeously shot. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. It just is not a good movie. I like really didn't like it. Um. But yeah, uh, after after doing the Halloween reboot, she does a f she stars in a film uh, in two thousand nine called Stem Cell, uh, as well as a film called Stay Cool, which has an insane cast. It has Sean Astin, Winona Ryder, Hilary Duff, and Chevy Chase. That's wild. What a weird cast! And it's like a a high school like comedy kind of deal. Um, I've never heard of it, but so many people are in it. Um, yeah, what a wow! Hillary Duff, Josh Holloway, John mm -hmm. Cryer, Jessica St. Clair. Yeah. I, I know all of these. It's people. got an insane cast in it. Michael yeah. Gross. This is insane. Um. So yeah. Do seems, I want to watch this movie? I know. I'm like. I'm like. I don't know if it's like up my alley, but crazy cast. Oh, by the way. So stem cell. Mm -hmm. Uh, directed by I don't know if you're gonna know this name, David Decato. No. Uh, David Decato, Deca I, I don't actually know how to pronounce his name, is kind of a famous, like, uh, I don't know how to say this, but like sleaze director? I don't really know how else to say it. He has made like, uh, he made like some Puppet Master movies, mm. but he made, so look at all these TV movies. The wrong Prince Charming, the wrong Mr. Right, the wrong fiance, the wrong real estate agent, the so wrong So it's like, of course, it's only a matter of time before she ended up working with him, considering I mean, how many TV movies she did. Look at this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, oh, eleven, twelve movies in 2017 that he directed. Twelve. Damn. In just one year. That's so what, he's doing a he's pumping out a movie a month. Yeah. Uh, and and he oh yeah, he did these 1313 movies. They are known for just being horror movies that star really hot, I believe gay porn stars. Like he he just is like a very interesting 
kind of very prolific, super cheapo. Like there's one house that I think like most of his movies take place in. I mm-hmm. think he might own it. He's got a really weird. He's like a guy that we should do some research on because okay. all of my kind of like like when we say B movie, like going really far down the B movie path, like my friends that really love like really, really, really schlocky B movie shit. He comes up all the time. Mm. People kind of love this guy's like no budget schlock. Okay. He's worth looking into. Um, And then D has a, a, a small role in Ty West's film House of the Devil, which yes. um, I, I also just love that, you know. Big fan of this movie. These, you know, I love that like these like really decent directors like um, Adam Wingard and Ty West and, you know, the people in this group like do cast these you know B movie actresses yep. like it's why like Barbara Crampton's career was rebooted and everything because she was in Your Next. Yep. Um, so I loved that D had a role in um, House of the Devil, which I love this movie. Yeah, this I think it's great. so good. There's something about like the atmosphere of this movie yep. that like really works for me. Um, and she just plays the woman that's like renting out the apartment mm-hmm. to the girl at the beginning, and that's the whole reason that she like babysits like at this creepy house and like doesn't want to do it but she needs money because like this lovely landlady is giving her this like beautiful place and she like needs to scrape up cash to give her the deposit yeah yep. um and d is like i always remember d's role in this even though it's so small because she is just so warm and charming yeah um everything that happens like later down the road is like pretty fucked up and wild yes but she's just this woman that's like i get a good feeling about you and i just want someone like really nice to take care of this place so like you know if you're like a good kid and you're quiet like I'll of course I'll rent this to you and like oh you don't have that much money I'll even like you know help you out with that like you can give me this much or something it's like so endearing I love it um you know landlords are evil but Dee Wallace (laughs) as a landlord is lovely yeah I mean if Dee Wallace was my landlord I'd be so happy oh my god I would rent forever like I would never stop renting yes agreed (laughs) um she then does uh, The Haunted World of El Superbisto, which we've talked Rob about. Zombie. Another Rob Zombie. Yep. And then she is in a film called Dark Field with David Carradine and Richard Lynch. That's interesting. Yeah, I thought so too. Dark Fields. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a, like a late Carradine performance. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. Um, and yeah, and then we get to, to D in the 2010s. Um, she does a film called I've never heard of this Extraordinary Measures uh, has Harrison Ford and Brendan Fraser in it I mean I've never heard of this either but that seems insane doesn't right? it Those, they, these are like two huge actors and it you know the just the cover alone makes it look like it's this like you know dramatic film that's like Oscar bait or something you know well I, get, I mean so a drama centered on the efforts of John and Eileen Crowley to find a researcher who might have a cure for their two children's rare genetic disorder there you go so it probably was yeah. intended to be it looks like Carrie Russell is in this as well yeah this is uh got some you know uh, yeah. Jared Harris this is, yeah this I mean, seems to come with quite the pedigree, but I literally have never heard of this movie before today. It's really weird. Yeah. Um, She then goes on to do a movie called Cage Free, uh, which is about, like, essentially um, PETA, like, capturing the daughter of a meat producer. What? So that way they're, they're like, you know, this is the ransom. No more factory farms, which is such a funny concept. Um, so yeah, cage free, pretty wild. Um, and then does a film called Pound of Flesh with Malcolm McDowell, um, Based on true events, Noah Melville, a popular college professor and confirmed sensualist, provides scholarships for gorgeous college girls through an escort service. What? uh, Whose satisfied clients include the chairman of the school board and the chief of police. This sounds wild. What? Uh, I mean, so this is, I guess, at least the second movie she's been in with Malcolm McDowell, right? Because of Halloween. Yep. Uh, also, can we just talk about confirmed sensualists? I mean, yeah, that is fucking wild. Hilarious words uh, mixed together. Um, and then she does a film called Killing Ruth in 2011. Uh, Walk a Mile in My Pradas, uh, which <laughs> sounds like a really interesting problematic film. Um, 
A magic Christmas ornament turns two men's lives upside down when homophobic Toby Tony starts preferring men two weeks before his wedding, and his gay coworker Steve finds himself blossoming into a ladies' man. What? So it's like Freaky Friday, but with like a gay guy and like a straight guy, yeah. and their preferences change. That is so wild. Like, what the fuck? And it seems like someone's like, this is how we get people to like empathize with the gay community. I mean, yeah. I mean, th- there was definitely, I feel like the, especially the early 2000s, uh, like, isn't, didn't Trans America come out at that point too? Like, oh, maybe, there yeah. were all these like stories of like, I, I don't know, you, you would almost call it like, uh, 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 you know, woke liberalism g- yeah. gone wrong, mm-hmm. you know, where they're just like trying very hard like, to be supportive cringy. of these kind of quote unquote like emerging communities, but are doing so through the only lens that they understand them yeah. through, which is like a, a straight, like, uh, you know, heteronormative uh, uh, lens. Yeah, so, uh, you know, that exists. Yeah. <laughs> um, she then does a film called Exit Humanity with Brian Cox. Love Brian Cox. And then she's in an episode of The Office, which uh, it's the Garden Party episode. If fans of The Office know that, she plays Andy's mom, which is like so perfect for her. I mean, she's kind of like a shitty mom that isn't really like supportive of Andy. (laughs) She's like not a great character in The Office anyway. But But also like makes sense for who Andy turns out, right? It's like it makes so much sense. And his brother is um, uh, Josh Groban. Oh, right. Which is, yes. Also makes weird sense. Oh, man. It's all so funny. Remember when Josh Groban had like a small moment of like, hey, I'm actually a funny actor now. I do remember that. And it was really odd. Yeah. Yeah, And this was part of that. Yep. Um, She then does uh, Lords of Salem in 2012. So continuing to work with Rob Zombie. Um, She plays Lilith in a 2012 modern retelling of Hansel and Gretel. Huh. Uh, which I, I know there's been like several kind of versions of that. Like there's like the uh, Monster Hunter version and stuff. Yeah. But I, uh, I was going to ask if that's the one this. it was. Yeah. No. Um, I also didn't realize this. And I, we've talked about this movie. I think on one of our first dates, she's in Grand Piano with yeah. Elijah Wood and John Cusack. So I have seen this movie. Which I would love to see this. I know we've talked about it a couple times. I don't remember D being, it's another movie where I'm just like face blind to D. Yeah. I'm like, I don't really remember her mm-hmm. being in it. But it's a really weird kind of cool movie. It's like a movie that feels like like it should have been made 20 years before it was made. Mm. Like it feels like somebody found a script from 1997 and was like, ah, let's make it a movie now. Yeah. Um, it's literally about a, uh, you know, a very, very talented, like world renowned pianist who's been retired for like a decade. Mm-hmm. Who's, wife or fiance or something kind of like arranges this big concert for him to come out of retirement at, and he seems unsure about, the, Elijah Wood plays the piano player, mm-hmm. seems unsure about whether he wants to do it, blah, 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 agrees to do it, finally does it, sits down at the piano in front of this huge audience, and then, and I forget how they arrange all the pieces for this to happen, but he's got like an earpiece in, and through the earpiece, a sniper played by John Cusack, who's in the rafters, tells him if he misses a single note in his performance, he will be murdered via sniper. Uh, it's a fucking really weird thriller that feels like it should have been made in the mid-90s, but somehow got made like 10 years ago. You know why I think I probably love the premise of this movie? Yeah. Because it sounds like another version of Phone Booth. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's basically Phone Booth, but set at a piano. Yeah. And Elijah Wood admirably looks like he's actually like playing some great classical piano. Throughout. I, one, just admire how weird Elijah Wood's career yes. has become um, as someone who adores him. Yeah. Uh, but also, uh, I would watch like, a whole series of movies that's kind of the premise of phone booth with yeah. just like a random dude in a random location yep. like a guy in a public pool like if yeah, you yeah. if you stop doing laps like i will shoot <laughs> you like just weird shit like that i'm it, into it we should watch it i mean i remember it being pretty fun yeah um she then goes on to do uh robo croc uh t- a tv movie it's gotta be a sci-fi original gotta be uh she does tv shows like grim supernatural and general hospital uh, she's in a movie, which this is the full title, Zombie Killers, Elephant's Graveyard. Yeah. Uh, wait, this is like, I know this movie. It's got Billy Zane, Misha Barton, and Felicia Rose uh, from uh, Sleepily Camp. 
Oh, okay. I why do I know this though? This is like oddly familiar to me, and I'm not really sure why I would know this movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, like, did this guy go on to do something? Yeah, I don't know. We we can keep talking. I just for some reason I know this movie, and I can't figure out why. Uh, she, uh, in 2016, does a film called Red Christmas, uh, that she stars in, which, uh, is about, like, a, a killer at Christmas, and, like, Dee's, like, defending her family. Oh, I would um, watch Dee do that. Yeah, I really want to see this, just because I kind of like that plot, and she was, like, pretty involved in it. Uh, and, you know, I just love that she's still getting, like, starring roles, like, you know, in 2016. Yeah. Um... In 2017, she does a film called Death House, which has uh, Gunnar Hansen, Adrian Barbeau, and Barbara Crampton. That is uh, written by the guy that did uh, Zombie Killer's Elephant's Graveyard. Oh, weird. Yeah. Okay, well, there you go. So she must like working with this guy and vice versa. Yeah, uh, which I kind of want to watch just based on that cast. Yeah. Uh, it sounds amazing. Uh, she then does This Old Machine with uh, Lance Henriksen and Kevin Sorbo. Uh, you know, Kevin Sorbo, absolute madman. Everyone should uh, hate this man. Uh, do, do you know about Kevin Sorbo? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And, Real you know, right-wing nut job these days. Xena, uh, warrior princess, like, told him to fuck off online. Yeah, has been taking him down yeah, online. It's, it's great. Amazing. But I do love Lance Henriksen. I do love I was Lance about to say, like, God, I would love to watch this movie. And, and you know, <laughs> I just... And you're like, oh, he I don't know. Yeah. Uh, she then does a film called Ouija House, which also has Misha Barton in it. Which, like, do you remember Misha Barton? I do remember Misha Barton. She was like pretty well known for the OC. Yeah. And then I guess has like a weird B movie career after that, which yeah. is really funny to I me. I mean, she's one of those people that like, you know, had like a pretty big moment, yeah. I would say. And and, you know, I don't know. I I guess maybe I just didn't keep up with her movie career. It's yeah. not like she didn't have one, you know. But I yeah, like she isn't, you know, uh, you know, starring in anything that I know of right now, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, she, uh, yeah, so I think that's interesting. And I also think it's interesting that, um, you know, these Ouija movies became such a big deal in the 2000s. Um, she, you know, D does like a bunch of like Hallmark, like holiday movies. Uh, she's on a primetime TV kids show. Uh, it's about witches called Just Add Magic, uh, which sounds kind of adorable. I feel like she would be great on like, uh, you know, a kids show for young women, you know, like that would be cool. And I love, like, you know, little, I love shows, like, geared towards kids that are about, like, you know, young witches and stuff, because that was kind of the stuff I grew up on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she's in Critters Attack, the 2019 TV movie. So we talked about Critters in our last episode, because Dee's in the original. It spawned on several sequels that it's she was not a part of, a TV show that she was not a part of, and then she comes back for the 2019 movie, which I find really hilarious. I mean, we'll probably have to watch it. We, we probably will. Uh, she looks badass in it. She's, like, all geared up. Like ready to take down some critters. Probably getting to do the role that maybe she would have liked to have done. You yeah. know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. getting to do some stuff that it's like, oh, I never got to do these kinds of roles. You know, they weren't letting women yeah. do these kinds of roles. For sure. Yeah. Uh, and then she goes on to do uh, The Wrong Mommy with Vivek A. Fox uh-huh. and uh, Three from Hell, uh, which, you know, just came out uh, recently. And is uh, another one of the Rob and, uh, Zombies. Yeah, another Rob Zombie. Uh, so yeah, definitely likes working with him. Um, she, uh, one of her more recent films uh, is a film called Await the Dawn, uh, which I had not heard of. Oh, wait, Tori, I'm so sorry. Guess who made The Wrong Mommy? Remember when I was talking about David DeCato movies Did and he made a shitload of movies called The, the Wrong, wrong This, The Wrong That? He made The Wrong Mommy. Well, there you go. So yeah. she's also worked with DeCato a couple yeah. of times. I, I genuinely think we should like look into this guy. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then, yeah, she has like a couple films that are in pre-production, including uh, Final Cut Impropatus and bits. <laughs> the dog is making it very difficult for you to uh, use your microphone. <sighs> yes, he is. Yep. Love him so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, sorry, uh, I was just, I was reading. Um, so in 2011, um, she like writes a book called Bright Lights. Um, she also writes Conscious Creation and The Big E. Um, so one of the things about Dee Wallace, which is kind of interesting just like in her personal life, is that she's kind of become like a healer, as she describes. Mm. Um, it seems like after her husband died, she had this kind of, you know, re- like spiritual reawakening. Mm-hmm. 
um, and wanted to like channel her. And so she began to like channel her healing work. Um, so she has like a whole website that is dedicated to this healing work that she's been doing. Um, and she's been doing it for like over the past like 20 years. Um, she said like after her husband's sudden death, she just like needed to figure out how she could heal herself and like huh. kind of realized the only way she could do that was like through herself. Like I'm huh. the only person that is going to get me out of this. And so kind of coming off of that has had this like interesting career trying to help people like heal themselves, which hmm. I think it's so fascinating because she does have this really positive energy about her. Like every time I hear her talk or hear interviews with her, there's just this like positive light that surrounds her, Mm -hmm. like regardless of like what she's doing or working on and everything. So um, I do kind of love that. Um, And yeah, so that kind of like wraps up her like career, but that was uh, one interesting thing I wanted to point out um, and probably a side of D that like people might not necessarily know about. (laughs) You probably hear uh Spock over here uh, singing D's praises as we wrap yeah, up the he, episode. He watched several D Wallace movies with us, so I'm sure he loves her. Oh, you're getting really talkative there, bud. Yeah. All right, I think that means we got to wrap it up. I think yeah. that's all the young boy wants. Yeah, so we have uh, gone through D's extensive career. Yeah. Um, gotta love her. Definitely check out more of D's movies. I can't wait to report back on. Uh, I'm dangerous tonight. Yes, I, that is something we'll report back on as quickly as we can. And uh, I, I just want to say that, like, I really think like she might be my favorite of everyone we've done. Like, I really enjoyed catching up with some of her movies and yeah. like discovering how much I really loved her. It's been it's just been a nice experience thus far. Like, kind of watching films based on like a specific actor and realizing the aspects of their, you know, acting that I really like and why they work so well in like a lot of the films we choose. Cause most of the time they're like so good in everything they do, regardless of the quality of the actual movie or TV show or whatever. Right. And seeing like what they bring to it, right? Mm -hmm. Like her role in Halloween is like so thankless, but like she brings so much to it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Really cool. Uh, Which uh, next episode, I believe we're planning on doing David Patrick Kelly. Yes. Which should be really fun. Very excited about that. Uh, He's one of my faves. Yeah. He's such a weird actor. Uh, Most known as uh, Warriors. Come out and play. Yay. From the Warriors. Uh, So definitely check out that episode when it airs. Yeah. I guess check out our, our stuff too. Um, you know, individually, uh, we both write for Movie John. Um, the stuff I'm working on now, which has probably been up on Movie John for a little bit by the time you hear this, um, I'm working on the Final Girls Berlin Film Festival, uh, which I'm really excited to cover some of the movies, shorts, and events uh, from some of the coolest women in horror uh, th- out there today. Uh, so definitely uh, check that stuff out. Um, but yeah, you can find my writing at Movie John and my other podcast, Butter With That. And uh, I'm on Twitter and Letterboxd at Filmadelphia. It's with an F. Uh, I have another podcast called I Like to Movie Movie that you can find on Movie John as well. Uh, and you can find our podcast everywhere at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast. Yes. Yeah. On all of the things. Um, so uh, we'll uh, check you guys later. Buzz, buzz, buzz. Buzz.